Let's jump into this, uh, doing this message today. Uh, it'll be up on the screen. I'm gonna, gonna talk to you a message. It's a good October message. Uh, the graveyard haunting. And it's so funny, I, I, kinda, I did this in, in Los Angeles, uh, a version of this last week. Somebody went on and said, why do you have a graveyard set up in the church? Oh my God, those kinds of people. Um, and I was like, well, I was preaching a sermon from Mark chapter five, and there is a terrible, chilling graveyard story in the Bible, self-righteous one. Um, so just in case you're gonna do that to me, please don't. I just told you why. Uh, there is a graveyard on the screen inside of the church. Uh, but. But October is one of those seasons, you know? It, it creates this, uh, this dark backdrop, right? Uh, of terror, of horror, of haunting. And you know, a lot of Christians take a super rigid approach uh, to, to the holiday. Me, not so much. I like to be scared. In fact, I love to be scared. I love it when people prank me. Um, I've told funny stories before of, you know, I don't know if I told it here, but I remember one night I, I woke up in the middle of the night, Emily said, there's somebody outside. You know, I jumped up, couldn't find my gun. And uh, so I grabbed a BB gun instead and uh, turned it around so I could use the stock to thump them. And I went outside and I was like, who's out there? You know, yelling into the dark. I had shivers all over me. I was hating it, but loving it. Felt like I was so alive. And I was hoping somebody would come out and I could fight them and defend my family and uh, my wife wife would, you know, receive me back into the house, you know, so romantically. And, uh, but instead she's at the door and she says, honey, get back in the house. Nobody's going to take you serious with a BB gun in your underwear standing in the yard. So, uh, but I do, uh, though I, I don't take necessarily Halloween as serious, maybe as some people think I should as a minister, I take real darkness very serious. And I believe that I'm commissioned from God and the church is commissioned from God to despise real evil and to invade the real darkness in our world and to free its prisoners. Am I in the right church today? And I have given my life to invade the darkness. And what's happening to some people in the world is more horrible than even the worst horror films, what some people are undergoing. I'm talking about the many ways that Satan terrorizes people in the way that he steals, kills, and destroys, and he uh, and, and he destroys souls, and he destroys his, he destroys people around the world. Psalms ninety one says that there are terrors uh, of the night. There are arrows that fly in the day. Arrows, not physical arrows, but spiritual arrows that are flying out of the darkness into this physical world. There are arrows, and they come and they hit you in different ways with a spiritual dark origin. They come from another realm supernaturally into your life. I'm not saying that everything that happens to you is a result of Satan attacking you. Some things are natural, but many of the things that you face are the result of the fact that you have been stalked by an enemy who wants to destroy your life. The Bible says that there are diseases that stalk in the darkness. That means that the flu is stalking your house. Cancer is stalking your house. And you need to say out loud, not now, not here. You can't touch this, right? You have authority over snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the evil one. The Bible says that there are darkness. There's disaster that strikes at the midday in the bright world that we live in from the darkness there is disaster that comes straight into your brightest day and will attack you a haunting is when an ethiopian toddler or ethiopian toddlers are starving to death right in front of you 
your children starving. I've seen these stories. I, I cry sometimes when I see a mom starving herself to death so her kid could live just a few more days longer than her with the bloated bellies and they're just wasting away because money can't, resources can't make it to them. That is a haunting, my friend, to watch your kids starve to death in front of you. A haunting is when an entire village is wiped out from natural disaster. We just served with the LA Dream Center down in Houston, and we saw people who in a day lost everything. Uh, they had uh, worked for years, and they had no insurance. And so they're rebuilding from nothing. But even worse than that, is when sometimes when natural disaster hits and 20 of your closest family and, rel and friends are wiped out in a day and you're the person wandering through the streets uh, with, with trying to find the will to even wanna go on and live in that kind of tragedy. These are the things that Satan does in the earth. And the church was born to combat the works of Satan and to bring light into the darkest places. Can you say yes? And so, and so, uh, I think a haunting is when, when a man has diarrhea in Mexico because of the low quality of water. Come on, guys, right? Everybody said diarrhea. It's so, funny. it's so funny when you say diarrhea in church, how we realize how immature we still all are. Come on, guys. How much of a kid we all still are, right? Uh, I tell you, whenever I have diarrhea, I yell for my wife to come and save me. Come on, guys. Emily, <laughs> help me, help. <laughs> come on, guys. I'm trying to get you to laugh because this is a very serious sermon. I'm like, where am I going to put the humor in? Diarrhea. That'll do it. That'll do it. Everybody You're like, that guy's cool. He's funny. And then you guys open up and then I can give you this massive truth. I believe it's when a 10-year-old daughter is, is abducted from Kathmandu. Corey, my son, worked over in Nepal in Kathmandu working to fight against human trafficking with kids that are being taken from Nepal, Kathmandu, and then taken by helicopter across the border into India. And at 10 years old, they're being sold into sex slave trafficking and, and they're, being, they're being molested and raped for the rest of their lives. That is a horror story that is as real as it gets. It's when a babysitter molests a child. It's when a husband beats a wife. It is addiction and depression and terminal illness and other things too. But more than all of those things, there is nothing more haunting than when a person is laying on their deathbed and they don't know if they're gonna go to heaven or hell when they breathe their last breath. A haunting is when you're in this world and every once in a while you think something's not right in the universe. My life is not right with God. I haven't found him. I haven't found peace. These are all ways that Satan works in our lives. Can you say yes? And so there are billions of people in this world being haunted, and it is our job to unhaunt them. And so I want to take you to uh, Mark chapter 5. I'm going to read to you from my paper Bible. It's actually not in the slides. This is a chance to read either in your paper Bible or grab your phone app, and I'm going to read you a couple of verses here. So they arrived to the other side of the lake in the land of the Gerasenes. And just as Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit, say evil spirit. He ran out from a cemetery to meet Jesus. The man lived among the tombs and could not be restrained even with a chain. So you think, what kept him there? If a chain didn't keep him there, what was keeping him there? spiritual chains. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as often he was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. 
No one was strong enough to control him. All day and night, he ran through, wandering through the tombs. Can you get a picture of this if you live near that graveyard? A man, we have a graveyard across the street from our house. I can't imagine living there and night after night after night that there's a person running around naked through the tombs because he can't be chained and he's screaming and shrieking and cutting himself. Man, that is about as scary as it gets. And this story is not about one man or in one of the other gospels, it talks about there were two men, but here, here Mark focuses on just one of them. It's not about one man in a graveyard. It's a bigger picture about the world as it is. A graveyard and the people as they are shackled with chains that are not physical and chained in a graveyard and living in torture apart from God. And Jesus gets in a boat and comes into the earth. And he comes into the earth searching for the people in the graveyard. Are you feeling this right now? And so look at this, it goes. And oh, when Jesus was still some distance away, the guy came, fell at Jesus' feet, and the demon started speaking out of the man. And Jesus said, um, and Jesus, and they said, please cast us into the pigs. And Jesus cast them into the pigs. Somebody goes, my God, Jesus really was really wrong with those farmers. But what you understand is this is a Roman territory across on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And these people were using pigs. Historically, you can find they were using pigs for sacrifice, which was sacrilegious, which was completely against God's way. And God permitted these demons. Demons must have known that they would be permitted to do this. And when they said, Jesus, throw us into the pigs, he said, sure. He threw them into the pigs and they ran over the cliff. And suddenly the man who was naked and running around is clothed and he's completely sane. What's really wild is that nobody had a problem with him necessarily while he was shrieking and running through the graveyard. But as soon as he was sane, the Bible says they got concerned when they saw the man who was wild. Now all of a sudden, he's been plugged out of the world and plugged into God's kingdom and the world wants him back. When I gave my life to Christ, my family would have given anything to get me to drink again, to get me to do drugs again, if you will, my friends, because they knew that I had been taken away. That's the first day of my life they got concerned. Am I talking to anybody right now? And we see this stuff and we go, wow, it's really wild how this works. Okay, so now I'm gonna go away from the Bible and I'm gonna tell you a couple things for the rest of this message. And Mark, I forgot to set my timer, so I have no idea what's going on. I feel like I'm like, where am I? I uh, lost Magnetic North, but they tell me I'm gonna get an, an, an alarm at some point. Um, so I'll just, I'll just preach till the alarm and then I'll auction off my last couple of points. Um, so, so for the rest of the message, I wanna take some time to talk to you about three reasons, three reasons I believe Every person in this room, if you're a Christian, I don't normally, normally when I identify my audience, I speak to all people, because I know there are people visiting today. I'm speaking specifically to those of you who are believers of Jesus. I brought a sermon to the church today, okay? Everyone else can listen in and benefit from this, but I believe every Christian should save people from the dark for three reasons. And if you're writing reasons down, if you're writing my points down so you can remember the message, write these down. By the way, these are the longest points I've ever had. Each one is like two sentences, okay? So the first point is this. The first reason is why should we rescue people from the darkness? Why? Because of the condition of the world. The condition. This world is a graveyard frothing up with dead people. See, 
This is a challenge even for church people today. It wasn't in 1990 when I got saved. I knew that I came out of the world. I was really happy for that. Your pastor was talking about living in the kingdom and the kingdom living in you. And I got that in the 90s. But now here we are in 2017, and I'm afraid the church has, has, has forgotten that we were pulled out of the world, called out of the world, and into a kingdom. And even though you're in a church building today, at this church building, what's really wild is just a physical facility. But when you came through those doors and the gospel started getting preached, and God started getting worshiped, you intersected with two realms. You're in the earth right now, you're in the world right now, but you're also standing in God's kingdom. Oh man, that is just amazing when you think about it. And only the church can do that for you. And so the scene of this graveyard is the scene of the world as it really is, and the people who are in it. Some people don't believe the world has fallen. Some people don't believe the world needs help. Some people don't believe in darkness or light or absolute truth. I, some people believe in a plurality of gods. There are many ways to heaven, they say. I don't believe that because as with the laws of the universe, you couldn't have multiple laws of gravity. That would be rough. One day you'd be on the ground. Next day you'd be 100 feet up in the sky. The next, next day you'd be dropping to the ground. We have to trust the law of gravity for us to survive. If there were multiple gods with multiple spiritual laws of the universe, that would be chaotic. If there is a God, there has to be one God. There has to be an absolute truth. And I believe that we have discovered him, church, don't you? Oh man, Jesus said, so I had, I had a Buddhist say to me one time, the thing I don't like about Christianity is that you guys claim to be the only way. And I said, I'm so thankful that Jesus was bold enough to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. I am the door, there are many others, I am the gate. But if you come through me, you can go in and find pasture, you can find rest, you can enter into God's kingdom, you can know. Jesus said, in a world of uncertainty, you can know that you 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 have entered the kingdom of heaven. Man, yes. And so the Bible contends that this world, which seems to be so natural, seems and right, this world that we're living in, it seems so natural. It seems so right. But yet, it is an illusion. I rewrote this this morning. I think they have, they have a slide for this one, but it, it, it seems... It seems it's really an illusion designed to keep you in it like the Matrix. You remember that movie in the 1990s, 1999, The Matrix? The world is an illusion. It's really gonna freak you out. This sermon's gonna really freak you out. You're gonna be driving your car today and go, I don't know if I'm in a car or if I'm in a warehouse plugged into a machine. <laughs> no. uh, but the idea is, the idea with that movie messed with me so much when I watched it because there's so much biblical reality in this. The Bible says, watch this, Satan, who is the God of this age, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light that is right in front of them. Come on, guys. Have you ever shared the gospel with somebody and go, I just don't get it, I don't want it. And you go, why? I don't understand. It makes sense. And they go, it doesn't make sense. Why? Because they're in another dimension. You think they're in the same dimension with you and you're speaking to them, but there's a chasm between you and them. And they're blinded by the God of this age, by this illusion called the world, and they're in it. And there you are in the kingdom and you're in the world as well, standing there communicating with them, but they can't see it, they can't understand it, they can't choose it. 
because they're blind. Come on, guys. I want you to watch this video real quick. It's about 60 seconds. That there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. It is this feeling that has brought you to me. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Matrix. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now, in this very room, you can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. When you're inside, no, you can you stop around, it. what do you see? Visually? You can stop it there. I apologize. And so the idea is that what is really happening, right? What is really happening? On this earth, on this earth is a world. And in this world are territories and spiritual kingdoms inside of it. And there is a kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light. There are angels and there are demons operating inside of this world, fighting to keep people in it and to pull them out of it. There's these, there are these forces inside this world. The Bible says that Satan is the father of lies. How does he keep people in the world? He lies to them. Oh man, you wanna know where the world began? Now in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And you look at these terminologies. Remember when the Bible says, if God so loved the world, what he's saying is he loved the people in the world, so Jesus came and plugged himself into the world so that he can have an expression in this world and save people out of this world. Come on, guys. And so the idea is this, that Satan, who is the father of lies, is the father of lies, started the world in the Garden of Eden when he offered Eve the forbidden fruit, and when she took that bite, suddenly everything changed. She was still in the earth, but now she's in something else. She's trapped in another dimension. She can't get to God. She's living in the, in, on the earth, but also in the world. You with me right now? Thomas Cole, one of the greatest artists of all time, in my opinion, has this, go ahead and show that. Uh, he calls this the expulsion. And it is, if you can see it real close, go look it up on the internet later. It's Adam and Eve running across a bridge and there's the angel with the flaming sword in the Garden of Eden and mankind is being driven out of the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, and, and so you get this idea that, that Adam and Eve are now trapped in a thing called the world. They are physically alive with a beating heart but with a fallen soul. 
So you go, why should we rescue people out of the darkness? See, I'm trying to, this is an evangelistic message. I feel like God's given me a mandate right now to call the church back to the most radical level of evangelism. I don't know, people say the end of the world is coming soon. I don't, I don't know, I'm, I'm not an expert at Bible prophecy, but I can tell you the return of the Lord is, seems like it's getting near. There's so many signs of the times, and I think God wants to mobilize the church to go into the world and save people, but we're not gonna do it unless we understand the way it really is. And people, the lost world is a graveyard frothing up with dead bodies, frothing up with dead people. The world is cloaked in darkness and Satan is the angel of light who has created a fake light, a fake morality, a fake love, a fake hope. And everything in this world is, is a trap designed to keep you away from God. Man, you know, it's really wild. The Bible says, do not love the world. Do not love the world. You can love this earth. You can go to the Grand Canyon and go check this out, how beautiful that is. But do not love the world. Do you see the difference? Do not love the world or the things that it offers you. When you love the world, you don't have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for things we see, and the pride of achievements and possessions. And this world is fading away. This world is fading away along with everything people crave, but whoever does the will of the Father has escaped this world. I added that in there, has escaped this world, right? We can say that in context of scripture. Whoever has the love of the Father in them has escaped this world, and guess what? You will live forever. You're not temporary like the world that is fading away. Man, you have eternal life, and you will be with Jesus in eternity. Can you say yes? And the Bible says, the world would love you as its own if you belong to it. How many of you gave your life to Christ and you were, like I said in the beginning of the sermon, you're like, I don't understand, why is it, I thought everybody would support me. Why is everybody so upset? Here's why. The world will love you as its own if you belong to it, Jesus said, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Isn't this true? We've been called out of the world, measured against eternity. Our life in this world is a blink it's gonna be gone tomorrow. It's gonna to be gone like it never existed yet. So many people put so much into this world and our roots go so deep into this world and we love it so much. Even Christians grieve in death more than we should. If a believer goes to Christ, it should be a celebration. And man, trust me, I've lost lots of relatives, so I'm not speaking from a position that I don't understand. I know what mourning is about and what loss is about, but I've had situations in life that are much more hopeless than a relative that dies and is going to heaven. I remember losing relatives and thinking, man, I'm sad, but I'm so happy that I got another reason to live for eternity. I got another reason. They're all up there stacking up, and the older I live, they're just stacking up on the other side, going, run your race and I'll see you in a little while. Come on, guys. And, uh, and so when people are born into the world, it's Satan's plan to start to work on you at a young age, and this is why he does stuff to kids. I always tell parents, the first five years of a kid's life, if you can just do a good job with that, that's why foster care is so important, and if you could do, just do a good job, then, then, then God can use you to completely, I mean, there's nothing, there's no period of time more important than the early days of a kid's life because Satan wants into the kid's life. I got 10 minutes left, my God, Mark, get out of here. Okay, so 
come back for the next service and I'll get my rhythm better, okay? And, uh, and if you're grading the sermon, it'll be better. But here's the deal. If you've come out of the world, thank God you have climbed out of a casket and walked out of a graveyard. Man, I tell you, you didn't just come join Bethel Harvest Church. You've been given eternal life. Man, you should be going bigger than that. Right? It's so exciting. The second reason that you should save people from the darkness is that, is that dead people can't save themselves. Somebody has to save them. Dead people, what is it that saves people? When they hear the word, faith comes by hearing the word. By hearing, and hearing by the word of God. A person cannot believe the gospel until they hear the gospel. I would even go so far as this, and this is freaky theologically. But the faith the person needs to be born again is contained inside of the gospel. And until you release that to them, they cannot even have faith to receive the gospel. The gospel, it's so amazing how God works, is that Jesus did it all. He died for us. And then he says, when you preach the gospel, I'll accompany that preaching with faith, and I will change a person's life. So never underestimate who can come to Christ. Because it's God who is saving us out of this world. He only needs us to go to the people who are dead in the graveyard because they can't save themselves. They are kept in the graveyard with spiritual chains, not physical ones. It is not the circumstances that keep them away from God. I went to a church and they offended me. Every time people are offended, every time people are, are confused by circumstances or wronged by people, Satan is on the shoulder laughing and, and cementing them into the darkness. He's putting spiritual chains on people. And you can't necessarily negotiate those things. You have to break them with the power of the gospel. You are wasting your time if you're using natural means to pull people into a supernatural kingdom. God wants to empower us to save those who are in the graveyard like Ezekiel we say. God said step up to the graveyard Ezekiel and start to prophesy with all those dead people laying down like they're in a cemetery and as I began to prophesy the bones started to shake and come together and I prophesied again and layers of muscle and organs and, and, and then skin is coming over them and they're laying there and I prophesied again it was like a wind coming from the four corners of the earth and the breath of God came into them and they rose up. That's what happens when a person gets born again they come forward and all we think is they're joining the church, but they are being spiritually remade. Oh man, when a person gets, hey, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus and I call you forward, you should give your life to Christ today. And when you do, let me tell you what will happen. God will unplug you from this thing called the world. You'll be standing for a couple of minutes if it were, if it were milliseconds. It's like you're standing in this in-between place. He's unplugged you. He's unplugged you, and you're standing there, and then he breathes into you, and now you're in his kingdom, and then God sends you back into the world as the person you are, as his agent, to go and save someone else, to spread it around. Can you say yes? My final point, and I'll be done, is that I just skipped some really good stuff. You should come to the second service. Um... I mean, I, I think it is cool that Jesus could have stayed in Capernaum where he did 80% of his miracles. He was, he was a rock star in Capernaum, but he gets, watch this. And this is, this, is really, this is really what God wants to say to this church. This church has always been true to God to go to the darkest places where there are the most lost people 
and put yourself in harm's way and to risk and to drive your, the wheels off of this ministry and your lives for the sake of saving people. Somebody goes, man, you gotta find more balance. You gotta, and I get all of that. I'll teach you that this afternoon. But I know what it's like when I read about Jesus who got in a boat, went across the other side. Do you know Jesus waited until nighttime before he got in the boat and went to the graveyard? I think there's a sign there that he went at nighttime and he faced a storm and he didn't turn back when he faced a storm, but he calmed the storm, kept going, got to the graveyard at night, found the worst person in all the earth, shackled down with thousands of demons. And he said, this church is how you should do it. Come on, man. And so, and I would just say this, don't ever let the scariness of storms or, uh, or the, uh, the, don't let storms or the scariness of the graveyard keep you back. Do whatever it takes to save people from the darkness. Can you say yes to that? Why? Because the third reason is that no person is ever too far gone. Everyone can be saved. Do you know people had to look at me and go, that guy will never get saved. I mean, I did, I think I told you the story. One of my friends got saved in high school and he tried to convince me to come to Jesus. I remember telling my mom and dad, I was like, I don't know what happened to him, he's lost. I lost my friend to religion. And he was trying to get me to go to church and I'm like, what do I do to get him back? You're gonna think I'm a horrible person, but my mom and dad owned an RV park and so we partied every weekend. I invited my friend over, this is terrible, I can't believe this, please don't judge me, I'm not like this now, I promise. And I had three girls lined up to try to seduce him that night. I wanted him to have sex and I wanted him to fall away from God because I wanted my friend back. You go, but guys, don't do that to me, man. That was some serious, nasty looks right there, man. Uh, you did bad stuff before Jesus too. I couldn't figure it out. But what I'm saying is this. People could have said Chuck would be the last person to ever be born again. Now, I don't, we were trying to figure it out the other day. I don't know how many people have come to Christ in my preachings in Africa in front of 120,000 people two years in a row in a stadium prophesying the president, vice president, 25 million, 27 million people on TV and radio. I don't even know what's going on in my life right now. Doors opening up everywhere. Who would have known back in the day when I was trying to get three friends to do so, a guy who was trying to lead me to Christ that I would be one of the biggest proponents for Jesus in his kingdom. Don't ever underestimate what God can do in somebody's life. There are people you've given up on and God says, God says, I want you to re-up your commitment to bring them out of the darkness. But they made me mad. They, they rejected me, they talked about me. They're just trying to deal with it. They can't understand. Just keep giving them the gospel, keep giving them the love and watch what God can do because everyone can be saved. Can you say yes? If you have the worst sins, God will make you his best story. This guy in the graveyard, you know what happened to him? Jesus, he came to he said, Jesus, can I go with you? Mark, I'm good. If you're getting ready to text me like, time's up, don't do it. Somebody hold Mark. Katie, hold his hand, don't let him do it. Don't let him do it, Katie, I'm done. I'm done, I promise. So, <laughs> oh, okay, are you, if, okay, dude, that's cool, that's cool. You're allowed to do that. So here's the thing, you know what, check this guy out in the graveyard. He starts out, would you say he was probably like the worst guy Jesus encountered in the entire New Testament? I actually believe the Pharisees were actually worse than him. Whoa, okay. Religious people are way worse than F-bomb and uh, demon-possessed. I mean, religious people are some of the worst people I've ever encountered in life and they are self-righteous and mean. Come on guys, right? <laughs> I, yeah, that should have just been standing ovation material right there. Like I, I should just drop the mic on that, just walk off and let you consider. But here's the deal. This guy says, Jesus, can I go with you? Jesus says, no, stay here and go and preach, go and tell what I've done. 
And there's, this, there's these 10 cities around where he's from. You can go check this out on your own time. But what's really cool about this is that in Mark, Matthew 15 and Mark 7, it is believed, and I, I've researched this, I'm 100% convinced, and I can actually back you through. You know when you're trying to figure out where was Jesus? He says he went to the other side and he was over here, and you line it all up. Without a doubt, when Jesus went back there, I don't know what the time frame was, maybe six months, a year, it says a vast crowd was lined up on the shore bringing the sick people to Jesus so he could heal them. Here's a place that sent Jesus out just a short time ago, but this man preached to 10 cities and he turned it upside down just with his testimony. He hadn't been to Bible college, the idea is that you don't need a ministry degree to preach your story. And it is your story that has the greatest power to bring people out of the darkness and into the light. Can you say yes this morning? I want us to stand. I want us to stand today. Mark, am I good? Woo! I had a video, but I'm going to skip it. I'll show it in the next one. <laughs> Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person in this room. God, I ask you to release something into our lives and into this church. This has always been a, a, a church that is dedicated to pulling people out of the darkness. And some people have just given their lives in such a high degree that it's, there's this tendency to feel fatigue and there's this tendency to not be serious about it anymore. But I'm asking you for me and for every leader in this church and all the way down, Lord, all the way through the hallways of this church to the, to the, to the, to the least newest person, God, I pray that you would release a new fervor to reach people in this city. God, send us to the darkest places of Lexington, Kentucky with the gospel, shining a light in the darkness from the kingdom into the world, bringing people out of the graveyard. And God, we speak over our city. Come to life, dry bones. We stand here today for every person, God, who is chained up with spiritual chains and they can't get out. Release into us a fire for the lost. If you agree with me, say amen.